Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Not all those who wander are lost. You have entered Asgard North. Hope you have your dice ready. Let's get started. Saturday evening, everyone. Thank you for turning in to the 16th episode of Asgard North. I know, counting this one and in the three previous, the last four episodes have not really, really been about D&D. But you can't do D&D without Lord of the Rings, so... We will get back to regular D&D shows soon, because... Tonight, we are talking episodes 7 and 8 of Rings of Power. The good news is, season 1 only has 8 episodes. Thank God for that. Although, don't get me wrong, I've, I've enjoyed doing these shows. It's the watching of the shows that have been painful. And, you know, honestly, I should I should probably be upfront about this. There might be a scheduling change tomorrow. Um, I have been in bed all day with back pain, and I'm not sure if it's a possible kidney stone or I hurt my back uh, Friday. So hopefully I I will feel decent enough to do the show tomorrow, but if not, uh, I will do it Halloween weekend and uh, make a good time of that as well. So, in case it's a kidney stone, you may hear me take a lot of a fluid in. And if it is back pain, you may hear some of that fluid being Long Island iced teas to help ease the pain. Hashtag neither is a sponsor here. None of this Dr. Pepper or Long Island is sponsoring the program, unfortunately. But I'm free to be sponsored. So, I was dreading after the episode 6 ended... And you see Mount Doom being formed. I really, I really was not, I I, I was having trouble pushing play on episode seven. I I just really, really, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect into this episode. So I was scared, nervous. And of course, with episode seven, we start out with Cheeto Land. And we 
specifically start with what I'm going to refer to as the eye of Cheeto, and that is Xenoladriel. Now, in episode six, we see this lava flow coming toward the small town, and, and Xenoladriel is standing there just looking at it. We see nothing of that in episode seven. We see the aftermath. Somehow, a pyroclastic flow, and all that is happening is she is covered in Cheeto dust. She even she even has all her fucking hair. It remind one of the th- things that pisses me off about the people who love. Or I shouldn't say love the show, but shill for the show. Oh, you didn't complain about you know some some of the crap Legolas did in The Hobbit. While The Hobbit is starting to look like tarnished gold after watching these episodes, there are some major scenes in that movie or series of movies that piss me off. And one of them is in the Dwarven Kingdom with the where the fire goes around the pillars and fire's hot. Fire is hot, whether it touches you or not. I don't think any of the writers have ever actually baked anything and opened an oven to feel the heat coming out of it. It does. You don't have to touch. Well, anyway, somehow she survived intact, just covered with Cheeto dust. But but we do see one living thing kind of on fire. There goes a running horse. Now, you're picturing, all oh, horse on fire. Okay. It's only the top of the horse that's on fire. So somehow, during a pyrocastic flow, the bottom of the horse is fine, but the top of it is on fire. Not the hair, not the mane. Just, you know, the little bareback of the, of, of the, of the horse. You know, I don't think anyone in the writer's room, producers, whatever, has actually watched a documentary on volcanoes, which is really, really crazy because they have them on Amazon Prime Video. It's right there for Christ's sake. Several, several of them. There's unburnt bodies in the in the destroyed village. Somehow, unburnt bodies, or at least they're covered in ash. They may, may be a little singed. But that is why, why did the the did the flow just stop? Really? Really? Is Galadriel's plot armor that thick that she was able to stop the the flow from coming into the town, but yet still catch the buildings on on fire and the top of a damn horse? So we find out apparently human and elf flesh is 100% volcano resistant, but the wood of the buildings not necessarily. And all of a sudden... As we're getting some panning views, and, and it looked like a cheap set. It looked like a cheap, yeah. 
we hear Theo Huxtable come running. Mother, mother, where's my mother? And there's people crawling. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But no burns. I think I, I rewound it three times. In all seriousness, I rewound this part three times because I was looking for Owen and Burrell. Give me evidence. And yes, I made a Star Wars reference in a ring, Lord of the Rings show. I want to see the burnt bodies. I want to see... Okay. If if somehow the volcano missed a lot, I want to see at least 25 to 50% dead bodies and skeletons. I want to see it. I mean, we have a guy from Pompeii who's turned to stone while he was masturbating. You can't show me one damn skeleton... Oh, I, I'm, you know what? I, I will be right back. Okay. Just like I did during the episode, I just took a, a sip of my Long Island and sip maybe underselling it a little. And to prevent me from pulling out my hair, I decide to fast forward. Once again, I think this is the second time while watching this show that I've actually had to fast forward it because I could not take the, the pain. And I have a pretty good pain tolerance. So what, what, do I, what, what, do, what do I have to fast forward to? What is the only only thing on this show that I may hate more than Xena Ladriel. Yes, the next scene, we go to the horrible foot. I mean, the Harfoots. And it is at this point, I look at my executive producer and go, this show, this episode is going to hurt and hurt a lot. Usually you have to pay more for that. And to prove me correct, all of a sudden we get to hear Fat Sam singing. Like I said, if it's if the actress who was playing the character I call Fat Sam, if it's actually her voice, I will give credit where credit is due. It's not bad. You know, she's not a horrible singer. It's you know, but 
Well, anyway, we go to bantering, 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 and we see not Frodo helping Fat Sam pull a cart. And apparently we cut now to the three fates, the the feminine character, looking at what looks kind of like a crash site. I don't know if it is. It may be just like where some of the volcano bits and, and magma and things hit, and what, they're examining something. Now, if they're looking for not Gandalf, which is or what they've been kind of been doing on the previous episodes, I don't quite understand where they're at precisely because, once again, this show doesn't want to bother with information that could be useful. And then we get to the leader of the Harfoots, who I am now referring to as the Black Gaffer. When new evil rises, and he goes on to this expositional BS. And it cuts right after him saying that. We see not Gandalf looking really sad. Because there's burnt fruit and burnt trees. Because apparently fruit burns, but people don't. Now... They like trying to throw in these member berries. Um, little nuggets that go, hey, look, we're associated with Lord of the Rings, even though we never read the damn book. Having the volcano come here into this land and destroy some of the things. You see the fruit trees burned. You know what would have been awesome to see? Maybe a dead ant wife. Could have seen a, a, a human or a, a human like face on a tree dead that was burnt. Just a little golden nugget. Maybe this is what happened to some of the ant wives. It could have been, it could have been a good member berry, but because these writers don't know anything about the actual Lord of the Ring books, they never probably even crossed their mind. And next, we cut over to not Gandalf again. He's kind of caressing the dead, burnt tree, which okay. It made me laugh, not because of anything in the show, but because of one of my very first adventures of D&D I ever ran, uh, Roderick the Ranger. The player found out that one of his followers was going to be a treant, so he would stop and say hi and, and make sure to, you know, kind of rub a tree every time he came across one. Just on the off chance, it would be a treant. It reminded me of that scene only you know, with a dead tree. I don't judge. I don't judge. And then we cut to, tell you, tell you how bad it, I didn't even write down who said this quote. I think it was Black Gaffer. What do you mean trees don't talk? Some do. Okay, so you do know about the ants. So why did you not show maybe a dead ant wife? <sighs> well, anyway, as... Not Gandalf is loving and caressing this dead tree, trying to resurrect it. A young Harfoot almost dies from a tree branch or something. Unfortunately, the Harfoot lives. Did I mention I don't like the Harfoots on this? Really don't. Although, ironically, I saw a picture of the the lady, the actress who plays... 
not um, Lady Frodo, Nori, with blonde hair. She actually looks more like Galadriel than the actress who they have playing Galadriel. So I have to admit, my anger only got deeper. And then we cut to some Harfoots that are pissed and don't really figure out why. I mean, I get the whole thing is going on, but why? Can you give us a little more um, information maybe, please? It would be awesome to, to know. Thankfully, that scene is only a couple minutes long. And then we cut to Lady Elrond with King Durin and Prince Durin. And Elrond goes and says, we will exchange for the mithril. And I paused it right here. Because I literally wrote, oh God, this is going to suck, isn't it? I unpause. And we hear game, grain, and timber for five centuries. So, I'll give you three wood, one grain, and one sheep for your mithril. Well, at least we know the writers in this room have played Settlers of Catan. Yay, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> he goes on to Elrond again, says, I am Elrond, half-elven, which I think is actually the first time in this uh, show that they've mentioned he's half-elven. And he's looking at the king and prince and goes, I can see in the elves that which they cannot. You actually should not trust elves. Okay, okay, no, I was very harsh on Lady Elrond from the beginning of the show because, well, honestly, sucked. But Lady Elrond has gotten better during the show, and every bit of his dealings with the dwarf actually makes the character a little more interesting. I love the dwarfs in this show. I know some hate him, some laugh at him, some mock I love the dwarfs in this show. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not quite Tolkien. They're close, but they're not quite Tolkien. They're definitely fantasy, and they're definitely D&D dwarfs. I can live with that. This show is not Lord of the Rings at, to me at all anymore, well, until episode 8 when I really get angry. So I like the dwarf scenes. So then we get the King Durin little bit of speaking. I will not risk dwarven lives to save elven ones. Great. Great. The time of elves have ended. You know what? I kind of like these dwarves. Fuck you, elves. Go back home. You don't belong here anyway. kind of what they're saying. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Then we stay in the Dwarven Lands, but this time we go over to Disa. Sitting there with Prince Durin, and she's kind of dissing King Durin. And there's good banter uh, back and forth between Disa and Prince Durin. Like I said, I love, I love Disa and Durin's relationship as written. There are some eh, moments, but over, I would watch a show about these two. I really would. So, during the middle of the banter, Prince Durin decides to crack a joke. 
about Disa's mother's beard having lice. More of that, please. At least A, A, they acknowledge, which I'm probably sure is probably a later edit, they at least acknowledge that dwarven women in Lord of the Rings are supposed to have beards. So, I'll give you that. Yay, thank you. And it was, the banter was fun and entertaining. Well, Elrond was sitting there as well. Of course, you see him smirking and smiling a little bit. Like I said, Elrond in the Dwarven Kingdom works. I don't know who is in charge of writing the doors, but they they at least get some of it right. Well, Elrond decides to give back the mithril piece that, that was given to him. And as Elrond leaves and says his goodbyes, Prince Durin throws mithril on the table next to a fallen leaf that Elrond had brought that was... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Diseased and dying. And as the mithril rolls over like a bad die 20, the leaf starts to come back to life. Okay, at least it's not quite canon, it's not quite Lord of the Rings, but they're at least following up with something they mentioned earlier. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give them. I, I, I know I bitch a lot about this show during this show. I try to be fair. So when there are decent moments like this, I want to make sure I mention it. This, that whole scene between even the, the beginning with King Durin, it was, I wasn't hating the show. And not hating the show is like a 10 out of 10 at me, for me at this point. But back we go to the Rings of Power, now sponsored by Flaming Hot Cheetos. And we get more Xenoladrial exposition. And then, just as we're getting this exposition after Theo Huxwood running, Mother, Mother, anyone seen my mother? We now have to deal with <laughs> Xenoladriel and Theo Huxtable scenes because no one in their right mind asked for this. And as they're talking back and forth, and I'm trying to stay awake, we see numerous people coming by. How? How are there this many people survive that? 
I don't care if the flow stopped right before town. The air quality and the heat alone. I know, I know. Logic. Absent be the... So, we find out wrinkled Tom Cruise, shocker, is alive. Queen Regent POC, shocker, is alive. I don't know what kind of plot armor they have, but I would never wear, give any of my characters in a D&D show that much armor. So now, after we got, we had Theo Huxtable earlier, go, mother, mother, we got wrinkled Tom Cruise going, where's my son? You mean Isidore, who cuts off the, you know, the ring, off Sauron's hands, and, you know, the actual good Lord of the Rings? Yeah, we're not going to... You're not fooling us. If you wasted scene, there's no way, even as god awful as they are, they're killing Isildur. Although I haven't reviewed episode eight yet, so maybe I should bite my tongue. Then we cut back to Xena and Theo talking some more, and for the third time, skip. And we fast forward. I think I hit the fast forward button like what, four or five times, which is like 10 seconds, I think, each time. And we cut back to some more people sur- who survived the amazing lava flow. And we see people are limping. No one is burnt. No one is. They all have their clothes. But we have people limping from a volcano flow. Volcano flow. But we do at least find out the Queen Regent POC is now blind for some reason. Once again, it would have been great to see the scene that, you know, maybe she got blinded and, you know, maybe had had something like flush or hit her head or something, you know, a little bit of the... (sighs) And I'm going to pause here for a moment. I want to thank everyone in chat. Rooster, Amish, Eric... I think Rick's even hiding out there somewhere. Thank you for tuning in and uh, getting some great comments in chat. And Rooster is like, Lava just broke their ankles. That's all. Well, with as thick as their plot armor is, okay. Uh, yeah, it might. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I apologize for my harshness. So after we find that the Queen Regent POC is blind somehow, we go back to the horrible foots again. And I'm really, outside of that little dwarf scenario, I'm thinking this episode was designed to 100% piss me off. And we find out that Black Gaffer is going to kick out, not Gandalf. But he does at least give him the Stargate coordinates. Yes, I just dropped a little bit of a Stargate reference in this show, too, because that is how my mind is wandering during this episode. So not Gandalf says goodbye to Lady Frodo and not Sam. And we cut to Lady Frodo trying her best to act. And my opinion about her being a better Galadriel is probably just, probably just been ruined because it looked like they had to pour water in her eye to make her cry. But, Mom, I'm just a half foot. 
I, I can't go on adventures. I'm just a hotfoot. Yeah. Someone in that writer room hates me. They, they probably don't know me. Well, then again, if they did know me, at least give them a reason to hate me. But they hate me. So, where are we going to go next? I'm, I'm thinking. Okay, we had, we had the Queen Regent, we had the the horrible feats, foots. No, f- anyway. Where can they go to really piss me off? Oh yeah, that's right. We're going to go back to more Xena and Theo Huxville exposition conversations. Now, during this conversation, seven episodes in, by the way, Xena actually mentions that she has a husband. She's been trying to get it on with not Sauron for six and a half episodes, but she finally drops to Theo Huxtable, of all people, that she actually has or had a husband because they try to sell it that he's dead. And it's a very hard sell because... Well, it was phrased like a soap opera death, okay? So, you know, he just, uh, he was in a, he went out of town, he went to get cigarettes, and I haven't seen or heard from him again. Well, I, 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 you know, I kind of get why he left your ass. Anyway, in the conversation, Xena is really pushing the gods really, really, really pushing the gods of Middle-earth really hard at, in this little junction, which, why, once again, why to Theo, the least care... And then we find out orcs are nearby. So where do Xena Ladriel and Theo Huxtable go run and hide? Under a tree root. Hmm, where have we seen that before? Huh, could have been like with some four hobbits or, you know, depending on if you watch the movie or if you read the books, could it have been three, four hobbits hiding under a tree? Huh, member berries again. Only this time, unlike in the books, we don't like these characters. We wanted the hobbits to live. Well... The orcs come trampsing through the dead forest. Which, by the way, there are still some fires going in this forest. And the orcs, once again, are carrying torches. Why? 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 Why are they carrying torches? Well, Theo pulls out his sword because he wants to fight. And skip. Thankfully, we go back to the mines of Moria. Prince Durin and Elrond are now mining for Mithril. And there's more more banter between the two, just good conversation. But unlike the rest of the conversations of the show or what we were just forced through with Xena and Theo, this banter, once again, is decent. So Prince Durin, who I'm going to now call P. Diddy, was about to reveal his true dwarven name. Now, 
I'm sighing here because, as we know, Rings of Power had a, an immense budget. Well, I think for Durin and Elrond and Disa, they had to spend a lot of money to actually get people who know how to act. So they did not spend it in their sections for props and scenery because the cheap caves were really cheap looking, but they do break through and the mithril scene and the veins are actually not bad. And there is a lot of mithril. Well, all of a sudden we get the jump scare of King Durin is now behind them and they arrest Elrond and gets kicked out. Oh no. But we now cut to a scene where Lady Elrond actually has the pieces of the mithril again. Then we get a fun King Durin and P. Diddy scene. And it's a really good scene, on point. Um, prince Durin actually finally stands up for himself, and he's kind of stripped of his princehood for doing it. Not a problem one bit with any of the scene other, other than, you know, King Durin is a little, little heavy-handed especially with his own son and finding out kind of like his mother is dead because Prince Durin kind of says Elrond, he feels like a brother that came out of his mother's womb and that really pissed off the king. How dare you say an elf is like a dwarf? Okay, but dwarves respect friends a lot and do vows. And so I was a little upset by that. But overall, the, the scene, scene... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Was was good, and just just as I got a little bit, a little bit of a smile upon my face, we go back to the Harfoots and Fat Sam singing again. But we find out that not Gandalf apparently blessed the land. It seems there's food everywhere. But Fat Sam, fetching some water, sees a giant footstep. Oh, no! Oh, no! It's feminine time! Guess who's back? Back again. Uh, and she, feminine and her two maidens touch the tree that not Gandalf healed. And Nori, of course, comes. Nori, which is you know, Lady Frodo, speaks up, of course. Feminim and her posse interact, put out the torches by touching them. Slim Lady burns all of the new harvested and grown foods. Do I cheer at this point? Do I laugh? Do I feel bad? Because even the wagons are burning too. I hate the Harfoots. Not really a fan of Feminim. Who, who Whose side? I know. Treebeard. I'm not really on anyone's side, because apparently no one on this show is really on my side. And then we get to, to a crying scene about their wagons being burned, and it reminds me 
because, yes, I'm going to drop another reference. It reminds me of the scene of a certain young video game player sitting in a ship with Grig going, you know, we, we live in a mobile home, but we really don't go anywhere. So let's see, that's a Star Trek, a Star Wars, and a last Starfighter reference. Hat trick. Ah, another good sip. So <laughs> we cut to a Numenorian camp scene. There's people, horses, everything's okay, seriously. Even the camp scene itself looks like it's fresh material. How? Where? Why? <laughs> and the burnt horse or injured horse gets to go, go free and run somewhere. It, it That horse running away from the Numenorean camp is what it must be like for at least a quarter to a half of the viewers of Rings of Power after episode eight finally aired and they watched it. They go, oh my God, I'm free. I'm free from this horrible mess. Yay. Horse, I get it. I envy you. Never have I ever wanted to be more of a horse than in Lord of the Rings whenever for some reason Peter Jackson put Arwen on a horse with Frodo. I would have loved to have Arwen sit on me. I mean, uh, love to have been that horse. Well, anyway, Tom Cruise, uh, Alindo, I guess we should say, regrets uh, pulling Galadriel aboard his ship to bring him back to Numenor. You know what, Tom Cruise? Kind of agreeing with you. The show would be a lot better if you just let her out there. But once again, we cut back to the beautiful camp. It's immaculate. And we cut to Xena. Xena overlooking the camp. Acts like she heard this entire conversation between wrinkly Tom Cruise and Queen Regent POC. Because once again, elves' hearing is amazing when they need it to be. And we cut to the healer's tent, where we finally get to see some injuries. Now, once again, like the rest of this show, there's a double-edged sword here. There is a very good wound sewing scene. I'm going to guess it was from the orc battle before the lava flow because I'm not seeing any real burnt bodies scenes. I'm seeing covered in, in soot and things. Show me someone with a leg burnt off, please. Anyway, we cut to Theo Huxtable entering once again. Mother, mother, has anyone seen mother? And I get it, Theo, I'm looking for the third and fourth best characters too. I haven't seen her all episode. And we see what looks like Bronwyn under a blanket. And then as you almost get the bit of acting out of Theo Huxtable, we find out it's a fake Bronwyn as she calls out to him elsewhere. And there we cut to Busty and her third and fourth best characters of the show and Don Lemon helping the wounded. And Xena enters, looking for, Has anyone seen the Queen? Thank God the Queen doesn't have an R in Queen, because I'm sure she would have tried to roll that R on that too. 
Then we cut to, for some reason, Xena and Bronwyn and her third and fourth best characters seeking the queen out because we have to have another girl power moment. Yay! And the queen acts out. And Xena goes, this. This is not Numenor. Our journey is not over. And Wrinkle Tom Cruise kind of looks at her, and I'm, I might be slightly, slightly paraphrasing this. Fuck you. Queen, let's sail. I may have taken some liberty with the script. And we get to the queen and her blind eyes going, Numenor, Numenor, wherefore art thou Numenor? We will return. Set sails with the wind. You notice I'm dropping a lot of other movies and show references because that's how bored and frustrated I am. It's the only way to make this show better. And just as we get to that little bit, we go back to the horrible feats. The caravan is burned and ruined. Oh, no. Lady Frodo's dad stands up. And for this scene, he doesn't seem to be limping as hard, so I'm guessing three years have been passed because I sprained my right ankle in the beginning of August, and I still have trouble moving it, but apparently pulling a cart heals it. Well, he gives a speech anyway and tries to rally him. Now everyone is crying. And literally everyone is crying in this episode. I think everyone had a tear scene. Um, They must have bought a bottle of fake tears off of Amazon because they're using it this episode on everybody. Well, Lady Frodo wants to go warn, not Sauron. But not Sam goes, no, Mr. Frodo, I can't leave you behind. And, of course, she doesn't because, you know, Lady Frodo doesn't want not Sam or Fat Sam to drown. So she goes, oh, I, of course, hop on my boat. Together to Mordor we go. But even though we are currently in Mordor, but shh, we don't know that yet. Well, then, surprisingly, and actually it did, this did actually caught me off a little bit. Black Gaffer says we should join this new caravan. And we cut to, I don't know if you've seen the previews of the horrible walking scene where you can see the folds in their prosthetic feet. Once again, this is a billion-dollar production where each minute that airs, they spend $1.01 million, give or take a few. Well, thankfully, after that horrible scene, we cut back to, oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. We cut back to the Numenorean ships. And the queen, Regent POC, is at the front of the ship. What What's she going to do? Um, it feels like we're going in the direct, right direction. Because she sure as hell ain't seeing where she's going. Why is she at the front of the boat? I'm going to... Maybe rename her to character Blinken at this point. Yes, 
Men in Tights reference there. Well, anyway, Xena now gets informed of not Sauron being injured. So to the tents she goes. Your healing powers are not good enough. We need an elven healer. Quick, someone fetch the healer. So, as not Sauron is injured, what do we get to? Oh, we get another, another, another amazing not Sauron and Xena riding horses scene. And they stare at they stare at one another. Now, didn't Xena just mention her husband recently? I did she wait a whole week or a day out of reverence of losing her dear love? That's that's Princess Bride there, by the way. So that's what five, six movies I've now referenced that would be amazing to have seen instead of this show. And we cut to, thankfully, <laughs> Disa and P. Diddy. They're sitting down. And yes, a lot of people made 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 jokes and fun of her, her dress being slit, so you see her her ham hocks. Disa's a hefty dwarf, that's all I'm going to say. But I have to say, her her boots are metal, and they have like a dwarven face on it. The boots actually look really fucking good. I, I was not going to lie. I was kind of inspired by those boots because they, they kind of, I kind of want to draw up a dwarven female uh, warrior and, and kind of make boots like that for them. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It, it, it tickled my fancy a little. I'm not going to lie. Well, Disa is once again bad-mouthing the king, and she is right. And admittedly, Disa is a little headstrong, but she is a dwarf. She is a woman. So I'm not seeing an issue here. So King Durin throws a leaf of the elven tree into the mithril vein. And we sit here, and the leaf floats, and floats, and floats, and floats, and touches down upon a ground to awaken the fucking Balrog. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. A leaf falling from the hands of King Durin, gently landing on the ground, wakes up the fucking Balrog. I, I, I hate this show. 
Then we cut to an ADAR sighting. And the orcs are cheering and gathering because they have created their home. And then up in the upper left-hand screen, in these little beautiful golden leather or, or golden letters, you see the Southlands burn and fade away like it got Thanos snapped. And in its place, dark letters form. And we now, now realize... The Southlands, by it, the Southlands, I know this is going to come as a shock because we've seen the maps during the show. We've seen the, uh, uh, we've seen the mountains and all that. Completely surprising to find out that Southlands are now Mordor. Ah, uh, if only there was a huge fat retard that could have, sit there and just go, Mordor, Mordor, Mordor. By the way, if you haven't watched any of the new Game of Thrones show, it is immensely better than this shit show. Thankfully, though, that actually ended episode seven. There... Wow. It. I'm not joking outside of the couple of the dwarves and Elrond scenes. I'm not joking when I tell you, as bad as the previous six episodes have been, and there have been some real shitty ones, this one is the worst so far. Emphasis on so far. Because when we get back, I will be talking the season finale. Oh, my God. Thank God. Season finale. Oh, that's the first two words in this show I've actually rejoiced at. So when we come back in a few minutes, we'll, we'll, we'll deep dive into that season eight. And if you know anything, anything of Lord of the Rings, I suggest you have a drink and nothing breakable nearby. We'll be right back. in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life. 
the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Sorry, during the break, I had to make some cheese and triscuits for my kiddo, so I actually forgot to hit the unmute button right as we <laughs> that ended. Uh, so, uh, okay, let me catch my breath here a moment. So, I think, if I remember the page count right, for episode seven, I had nine pages of notes. I think for this episode eight... I think I had six and a half, maybe maybe seven full. Like I said, be prepared. Your head may hurt, and it's going to hurt with just the episode name, Alloyed. Alloyed. Oh, God. They are going to go there, aren't they? They're going there. <sighs> Strap in, folks. We cut to a scene where it is raining on not Gandalf. He's trying to hide. He has an apple in his hand, which, by the way, looks fake as fuck. Once again, $1 million a minute. And the apple looks fake. Now, I'm not saying the apple itself is fake, but the paint job, whatever they did to, to 
it, it, it yeah. Well, anyway, someone sneaks up on not Gandalf. We, we, um, you know, see Lady Frodo coming up, and not Gandalf is happy to see Lady Frodo until we find out it's not Lady Frodo. Oh, no! No one could have seen this happening. It's Slim Lady Feminim. And, of course, her two two hoes are with her, too. And she calls not Gandalf by his (laughs) real name. Sauron, we have been searching for you. No one who has watched a lick of this show would have ever have believed not Gandalf to be Sauron. No one, not a soul, nobody. Zip, zero, zip, zilch, none. Thankfully, this was a quickish scene. And we cut back to Xena Ladriel, warrior princess, riding a horse that looks stupid as fuck. Someone, I'm guessing the director, has a stiffy for the actress playing Xena Ladriel and thinks her on a horse is the pinnacle of attractiveness. It's it's not. Not even close. But she's riding to the Elven lands. Oh no, Elven lands. And not Sauron. Is there with her? Although he looks like he slumped over on the horse because, you know, he's injured and all. And as they get to the Elven Village, they really have to look injured. And we come in and we see Kellum Brimbor by Tresemme fingering the mithril piece. So the stun started as small as my hand. And how can we replicate and harness that as he fondles the little piece of mithril and as he's talking with Lady Elrond? The sun wasn't a thing until the beginning of this fucking show. It was all the tree of life that gave light. Well, Xena and the passed out not Sauron ride to Elrond. Seriously? I cannot overstate, and there will never be a maximum limit of times I'm going to say this. I hate the actress. I hate the character. Galadriel and the actress playing Galadriel suck. Fuck you, Amazon, for picking her and not Elizabeth the Becky. Now, I don't know if Elizabeth Becky was even a possibility of being on this show, but God damn it. So, we cut to Kellen Brynbor and not Sauron, who was passed out, but now they get to meet. By the way, Galadriel is allegedly an amazing 
amazing sorceress. Elrond is allegedly one of the greatest healers of elven lore. Kellen Brimbor has magic cursing through his veins, and we won't even go with Gilgalad. Not a single one of these individuals realize not Sauron for who he is. In the elven lands. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Oh, God, it gets... It gets so, so, so much better. Not Sauron looks at Kellen Brimbor by Tressa May and goes, The Kellen Brimbor? Well, I've heard of you. So, Kellen Brimbor, who has apparently sniffed too many hair products, looks at Not Sauron. Are you a smith? Oh, fuck. Oh, cook. Well, as they scan across the Kellen Brenborn's famous smithing building, we cut to three uncut gems just out in the open. They're really going to fucking make the three elven rings, aren't they? Oh, Jesus. Oh. And he talks about how the gems have the essence of the Valinor in them. Now, Kellen Brimbor is one of the greatest smiths of all time in Lord of the Rings history. Not Sauron tells Kellen Brimbor, after all the fail, failures of trying to work with the mithril, that he should combine it into an alloy. Because Kellen Brimbor would have never have thought of that. Did I, did, did I tell you to have a drink handy for you, with you? Um, I think right now might be a good time to join me in taking a sip of an alcoholic drink to ease his pain. Okay, that feels better. So we cut to the king of Numenor and his deathbed. He's nearly dying, you know. So... He talks about wanting to build a stone celebration of the king. Now, I would love to see stone erections of celebration. Drunken things of erections of celebrations would be enjoyable at this point in my life. So I'm like, okay, that's a stone erection for a king. Oh, it would be great if we knew damn thing about this dying king, but we don't. So why are we supposed to care about this command by him? Really? Well, on his deathbed, the Lion King mistakes Isidore's sister because she was one of four apprentices who got to conveniently spend an hour with him to figure out what these stone erections should look like. 
But he, the king mistakes Isidore's sister as the queen regent POC because, well, one's a POC and the other one's a really Italian-ish, Greece-ish, because, you know, you can get those two mixed up real easy. Well, anyway, king does something, something passes out or something, and Isidore's sister goes begging for help, and she comes back and he's gone. Oh, no. But he's only gone to a secret room, so it's okay. But they really tried to, really, really, really tried to sell, like, he forced Jedi his way to ghost life or something. So, thankfully, that scene is painfully only a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. And we cut to a discussion on what to create with the mithril. Sorry, I can't roll my R's like Galadriel can. We have Gil-Galad, Lady Elrond, Kelimbrimbor by Tressa May, and Xenoladriel, Warrior Princess, talking about all this. And after a lengthy discussion back and forth, Gilgalad makes a decision that we need to abandon the cities and the elves must flee immediately. Lady Elrond steps up, interrupts, goes, give me three months, please. Give me three months. Don't really get an answer if he's going to have extended time or not. I think he did, but I was zoned out. Well, we find out where we cut over to Kellenbrenbor by Tresemme, firing up the forge. And we cut to not Sauron being there as well. Why? 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 Because not Sauron said he knows how to forge and mentioned alloys because Kellenbrenbor was too fucking stupid to, to think of alloys, that he's going to have not Sauron assist and watch. What on all the earths and middle earths in all of creation would have made him do this. What skill, other than mentioning alloys, has not Sauron proven in a smithy facility to warrant seeing, let alone working with Kellen Brimbor? Seriously. And we cut to Idiot Ladriel, who now is starting to piece things together, and she wants records of the Southlands. Gee, eight episodes in, and you're now just starting to wonder about all this crap? We're going to have more Xena and, and, and Sauron banter later, I'm sure. Well, we cut to the thrim, thim, uh, three fembots with not Gandalf. And they're trying to conjure and bring out Sauron's power out of not Gandalf. Now, there has been a lot of debate on who this wizard allegedly is. And there's been a lot of people who have dropped that the blue wizards existed in the Second Age and that... Gandalf may or may not. I have called this character not Gandalf from day one because it is a solo character. 
the Blue Wizards were they 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 toured Middle Earth as a pair as a group. It's the only reason it, they now in theory up to this point they could have introduced a new wizard because it would be so Amazon to do that. But in my gut, I have known him to be Gandalf this whole time. So the three Fembots says, Fire obeys your will, will, master. Um, did the writers not ever read or know anything about Gandalf's powers? What's he the secret wielder of? And then Gandalf moans and screams and does a fainting-like scene. And meanwhile, we have the black gaffer who's spying on this because I guess he can sneak up on these three women sorcerers because they're demonstrating, unlike everyone else in this series, they're demonstrating actual magic power. Not going to lie, it was kind of cool. Well, the hobbits, I mean, uh, the Harfoots try to rescue Gandalf. And one of the two fembots throws something like a dagger, like a crescent-shaped dagger, right into Black Gaffer's chest. Oh, no. Oh, no. Black Gaffer is dead or, or dying or, once again, do I celebrate? Do I celebrate his death? I mean, okay, he's a person of color, but the second in charge is a a woman of color, and every other thing and scene and person other than the elves is led by a, a woman, and Gilgalad is the only one, but that's not a woman that leads something, but yet Galadriel acts like, oh, oh God. Yes, GR is mostly dead, apparently, at this scene. So the three fates, I guess I'll call them, also uh they go in to kill Lady Frodo. And now we see Gandalf enters. Gandalf. Hawk smashes the ground again. Slim Shady, one and two, kind of. So we find out the Black Gaffer is not quite dead yet. And he stabs one of the two fates in the feet. Huh. Huh. A hobbit stabbing a servant of Sauron in the feet to distract him from killing someone. Uh, um, I think I think I've seen this part before. Um, was it Mary? Mary Adok? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pause a second and welcome JC. I'm sorry I didn't see you earlier in the chat. Welcome. Thank you for stopping in. They really tried these member berries to make you think you are, are watching Lord of the Rings. So, Feminem decides to go all smog on everyone. And starts fiery breathing and firearms and everything. And Gandalf sees the forest burning. 
And then from nowhere, Lady Frodo gives Gandalf Fem Shady's staff. Gandalf stands, and the fires are extinguished. Oh my god, he's not Sauron. He is the other, the Istar. Oh, fuck me. So then, Gandalf with the staff basically extinguishes their life form. Oh, but no, no, no. It couldn't be something, you know, creative. Oh, no. You remember in the movies when Gandalf was captured by Sauron on the tower and he captures a moth and speaks to it, and so the moth will go fetch an eagle. Remember that scene, right? It was a pretty, pretty cool-looking moth. Well, on on the feminine, a white-like moth creature that looks eerily so similar lands on her mouth, almost signs of the lamb's cover-ish. And their life force is turned out, and they look turn into ring wraiths. And then the ring race form turn into butterflies and disappear like, once again, they were Thanos-snapped. When do you think they're going to reveal that this is Gandalf? Season 3? Season 4? Do you think they're going to try to keep pushing that it's not Gandalf? And thankfully, we finally get the death scene for Black Gaffer. Yay! Now we only have about 60 more of those little Harfoot bastards to kill. Oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? When we move on to a boat scene, and we have wrinkled Tom Cruise going to the Queen Regent POC. It's it's really, really frustrating because there's an intimate scene. Now, not intimate as in wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, or kissing, but they they try to do intimate eye exchanges a lot on this on these shows or on the show, and they're doing it now with Wrinkle Tom Cruise and Queen Regent POC. Now, the Queen Regent POC, as far as we know, does not have a husband. So they are literally on a boat trying to ship Queen POC and Wrinkled Tom Cruise, which I guess is how Isidore will eventually become king. And then we cut to the actual king is dead. The character we know next to nothing about, other than he's kind of a white dude, who's the father of a person of color, has died. Um, Am I supposed to care? Because really, (laughs) I don't. I mean, I'm not cheering on like the black gaffer's death, but I know nothing about this character, literally, other than at one point he was elf friend. So we go back to Kellen Brenbor by Tressa Mays 
smithing house. And he's still having trouble forging mithril. The alloys just are not working. Sauron, trying his hard to smooth things up in here, in his best, very white, goes, maybe, uh, you know, need to, need to take it slow. Take it real, real slow. Let the two gently merge together and get it on. And that little bit of bad acting by me is still far better than that scene actually was. Then we cut to Xena Ladriel, who apparently has pulled her head out of her rectum. She's now holding a scroll of the history of the kings of the Southlands because she went to a library and the librarian said, sure, I know where all that is. So Sauron and her talks. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this the moment? Xena In her best Batman movie imitations. Who are you? You are not the king of the South. The last king of the South died a thousand years ago. And then she... (laughs) Fid Clark tries to act and cry. Tell me your name. Tell me your name. I'm Batman. Then Xenoladriel tries to kill Sauron. And all of a sudden we kind of cut to a scene back in time. Are we having some mind games, a dream sequence? I, I, I don't know, but Sauron is in the disguise of her older brother, apparently. Huh. And we get three minutes of absolute yawn. Absolute, absolutely long. But we cut to a scene where they're on a boat or their raft or something, and in the reflection of the water, we see Sauron with his great helm and Xenoladriel. Oh. Okay, I'm going to go show here a moment. Oh, my God, that's so precious how they revealed Sauron for who him to him to be. Oh, my God, can you believe that? What a great way to, oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. We go to a scene then where Xena is threatening Elrond and runs to Kellen Brynbor by Tresemme. And we're sitting around, or standing around the forge. I'm going to take a deep breath for this one. Galadriel looks at Kellen Brynbor and Elrond and says, we must make three. Not because they showed three gems before. Because as we find out, one ring will corrupt. Heavy-handed there, huh? Two will divide. 
But in three, there is balance. And then we cut to the three elven rings being made or being suggested by Galadriel as it was her idea to make the three elven rings. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, anyway, anyway, <sighs> Kellen Brimbor apparently, apparently remembering some of his smithing lore, says we need to find pure gold and or silver. So Galadriel hands over her brother's dagger to forge the three. I wanted to punch something so hard, so bad. I wanted to go find my hockey gear that's probably out in the Atlantic Ocean, thank you, Hurricane Irene, and go beat the living shit out of someone legally. It's not bad enough that it was Galadriel's idea to forge the three, but they used the only, only pure gold and silver in a smithing facility run by elves of pure quality was her brother's dagger. Yeah, yeah, I'm not making any of this up. I couldn't think ideas this bad, and I've been married twice. And then, I remind you, this is the season finale. This is when all the big reveals are are supposed to make people go, Oh my God. So we go now to Lady Frodo and Gandalf talking. And they explain that Istar equals wise one or wizard in the Harfoot's language. Huh? Huh? In the Harfoot's language? What? Huh? So, a wizard in the Second Age confirmed. And they discuss what they're, what they're going to do next. Well, Lady Frodo smiles and looks at Gandalf and says, Sounds like an adventure. Oh, fuck off. I'm going on an adventure. Please make this pain stop. God. The the writers really believe they are writing gold here. That is what probably pisses me off more than anything. 
And the people that say this show is good on a fantasy level don't understand that you can't rip off other movies and sell it as your own and be considered good. Not unless you add things of value, which the show has not. It has not. I wish it had. God, I wish, wish, wish this show would have been good. Amazon was sitting on gold purer than Galadriel Brothers' dagger. And they fucked it up. They fucked it up as a Lord of the Rings series. They messed it up as a fantasy series. I know people will disagree with me, but you can't use this much Lord of the Rings and say it's a good fantasy film because you have to reference the Lord of the Rings. If they would have changed every name and a couple other key plot points, okay, I would give it a three and a half out of ten as a fantasy film. There's a lot of crappy fantasy films that I watch and enjoy. 3.5 for a fantasy film, me judging, is not necessarily a bad thing. It is infuriating. And once again, I had I had a little bit of a lengthy discussion with uh, some people in a private Twitter DM chat. Uh, I won't mention names. No one, no one in this in this, in this room, by the way. So I'm not spilling anything that we've talked about. And I have to agree with the one individual even though there has been some really, really bad acting, and more Sid Clark is definitely probably the worst actress on or actor on this show. How much of the bad acting has been because the directors and the showrunners are absolutely clueless morons who have never done this before? So I will give some of the actors a pass. Now, seeing as this show, this first season, has been an absolute, complete crap show, the fact that Don Lemon, is what is Ismael Cruz or whatever his name is, dude, you shined that pile of, pile of crap. Your acting was solid. Good job. Amen, brother. I, I understand why you're pissed. You did your best with what you were given. And thank you. You were the one character in this show that would be great to steal things in a D&D setting. So thank you for putting effort into this colossal failure. Disa. I know you were probably told to say a lot of bad things because you were a woman of color um, and about how people hate the show and it was directed at you. No, you were one of the brining, bright, shining spots of this show. Your character in her brief, brief moment, she probably had, what, three minutes of screen time this whole full series? Your, your time on screen was enjoyable. Even the bad parts can be overlooked. You took what you were given and done a decent job. 
Prince Durin, dude, dude, you rocked. You were, you understood the role. You understood the dwarf. Maybe not as much Tolkien dwarf. You understood a fantasy and D&D dwarf. So I applaud you for the effort you put in. Bronwyn, I will forever be a fan of your third and fourth best characters. Your acting, maybe not as much. But at least when you're on screen, I could watch. And for the little speaking roles that he had, the Gandalf character was good. He really wasn't given much to work with, and he, he did okay. But the directors and the showrunners, and I do not say this lightly, should be taken out back of Amazon Studios and whipped like some hobbits on a march to fix things for season two because you know they're not getting fired and there's no way they're going to make season two any better. They're going to make it worse because they think they actually thought that this season was good and that their finale was the gold piece of the show, of the series. And if they thought episode 8, followed by a really crappy episode 7, were the shining moments to set everything up, they are only, only going to go deeper than the halls of the Balrog. It is going to be pure torturous and pure god-awfulness. But if you happened to enjoy this show... I hope you were able to take some things out. There are definitely, I, in the D&D setting, like I said, Don Lemon's character and, and Disa, you have inspired me um, in the D&D realm. You've actually given me some thoughts that I can use going forward. And so it was not a complete failure. But outside of that, Yeah, it's, I'm sorry for everyone who loves Lord of the Rings and either had to watch or listen to me describe the pain that it was. I, to keep my sanity, I have been listening to the audio, audible books of the actual trilogy to keep my sanity and normally I don't listen to them until December because it's a tradition that I I listen to the Lord of the Rings trilogy at the beginning of December and finish it up right as, spoiler alert, um, Gollum bites the ring off of Frodo and falls into lava. I like listening to that at midnight because that burns away the evil for all the year and we start, start anew. I had to listen to it earlier to get the taste out of this, this show out of my mouth and keep me sane-ish. So I want to thank everyone for this joining me on this journey of pain. I honestly enjoyed doing the podcast about the show. I hope I hope it was enjoyable to listen to. Um because I have a lot of emotions when it comes to things like Lord of the Rings and I hope it came across. And I know I said a lot of foul language and some shows were worse than others. 
I'm not going to apologize because it was just pure emotion. Not, none of what I said was for effect. None. So thank you for joining me on this adventure. In two weeks, Asgard North returns to the more D&D world setting where uh, it'll be, what, the 29th? So we will definitely be talking Halloween, uh, probably a little bit of Ravenloft, and maybe some good gaming ideas for, for Halloween. So once again, thank you for for joining me on this journey. It's been a pleasure. And I will catch you in two weeks on the next Asgard North. The greatest adventure is what lies ahead Today and tomorrow are yet to be said The chances, the changes are all yours to make The mold of your life is in your hands to break there